When it comes to booking in time with your prospects, we want to reduce no-shows and cancellations. We want to make sure that the right prospect is speaking to the right AE at the right territory and right time zone. Also, we want to reduce those no-shows and cancellations. That's exactly what Chili Piper's booking platform can help you do. Chili Piper are the official sponsors of the SDR Disco Call show. And if you want to check out more, head over to chilipiper.com forward slash happy. Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello all you listeners, watchers and happy podders. Welcome to another chapter of the SDR Disco Call Show. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and today we've got a very chilly guest on board. Uh, so this person was introduced through our partnerships manager at Chili Piper, Carl. So again, shouts out to Carl for making the introduction. Uh, and this is somebody that I've been following on LinkedIn for a while. Uh, they don't speak my native language, but I always click LinkedIn translation and I love reading their posts uh, and watching this person grow in the world of sales development. But guest, could you please introduce yourself? What is your name uh, and who are you and where do you work and what do they do? Hello. Thank you, Neil, for inviting me. And yes, thank you, Carl, for the introduction. <laughs> um, my name is Amina Bouzidi. Um, yes, we met on LinkedIn. And like, actually, your podcast is great. So thank this you. is a really good discovery for me. Um, I am an SDR at Chili Piper. I'm uh, in sales for less than a year. Now, I love doing this job. I'm really passionate about like, chasing, <laughs> looking for good accounts, mm -hmm. creating this first connection. And I have not been always uh, a salesperson. I have 15 years uh, behind me as a, an IT, um, as an IT girl. Uh, I have a background of a software engineer mm -hmm. and I'm looking forward to like, speak with you today. I love it. That is one of the best introductions that we've had from a guest, Amina, and we're really excited to have you on board as well to share your wisdom with us. And for the listeners and watchers out there who may not be aware of what Chili Piper does, could you tell us in a nutshell, how does Chili Piper help people? Of course. So... Uh, I'm in love with sales revenue and in general sales in particular. And Chili Piper helps sales book more meetings. So when I reach out to people, I'm just always happy because I can help. Uh, Chili Piper is a solution around scheduling and routing, especially for revenue teams. So if you are SaaS, or in general, a company who has a lot of inbounds, having those inbounds qualified and routed instantly to sales guy or your best sales rep is really instant with Chili Piper. 
So this is what we do in like in a nutshell. Our customers are very happy because we are the only solution who guarantee having more than 65 to 70% of conversion on their inbounds. So <laughs> I love it. Thank you very much. Very eloquently put. Uh, and we had a, a Chili Piper team on the other day, Elric as well, who was a member on the show. I think he'll be very proud of that pitch there. And oh, so thank you <laughs> thank so you. much. <laughs> uh, and obviously, it's really interesting for our guests and listeners to know, like, where are you based in the world, Amina? Oh, this is a question. Um, I'm normally based in Paris. Uh, today, while we are speaking, I'm in Spain on uh, holidays, um, on vacation. Uh, most of the team are located everywhere in the world, so we are a full remote company. I can work whatever, like in whatever country I want. For now, I'm in France. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, bonjour and hola, uh, and it's great to have you on board, especially guests and listeners. This is during Amina's uh, holiday time, so we really appreciate you making yourself available Thank for the you. show. Um, and just, you know, to make things a bit more humanized, it would be great to know, like, what things do you enjoy outside of sales, Amina? Well, um, I'm a mom. Oh. I have four kids. So um, I love to do, like, uh, workshops, cakes, workshops, cookies, workshops with uh, the kids having floor everywhere and <laughs> messing up with <laughs> chocolate. So like I am a really simple person. I enjoy simple things with my family and friends. So having just like a coffee with someone I appreciate is a blessing for me. I'm really someone really, really simple. So I enjoy doing a lot of stuff, but it's always simple simple work with my husband or this is my life <laughs> i love it it's the simple things in life right amina thank you so much for sharing and as a gentle reminder for our listeners and watchers if you're listening to this show in your local podcast platform please make sure that you give us a like and a rating and if you want to send a message to the guest you can actually send a voice note by visiting the show notes in the podcast platform and if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please make sure you give us a like, comment, sh subscribe and share so we can get Amina's story out to more SDRs out there. So Amina, uh, as a normal part of our show, what we like to do for the watchers is visit your LinkedIn profile to see your colorful career, like where you mentioned you had like 15 years of experience. And you know what, when uh, I was first viewing your profile, like when we had the disco call, I was hella intimidated. I was like, wow, this lady has done a hell of a lot and she's been in a lot of different roles. And there is a key theme that we're going to come back to about, you know, not always having to choose, you know, uh, and kind of leading through life and doing things that make you happy. And you're somebody who's a big advocate on this and we'll definitely dive into it. But the one thing that obviously I noted with your LinkedIn profile is that you're a very active person on LinkedIn. You're sharing a lot of posts about experiences of what it's like to be an SDR, you know, things for your prospects to help resonate with things and challenges that are going on in the world of sales. And I love it. And I would definitely recommend to our listeners and watchers to go check out Amina's profile and see a couple of the comments and posts that are being put out there because there's a lot to learn from as well. Um, but if we look going to your experiences, uh, again, there's, there's a lot. And uh, again, this is why I was intimidated. But what we can see 
is you've been a project manager, you've been an IT deputy director, you've been a business relationship manager, you've been a business developer, uh, you've been a sales rep, you've been a co-founder at MediaBirds, you're a member of Rev Genius. shouts out to those guys. You've also been a podcast host, which made my heart sing and made me very happy. <laughs> um, you've been a co-founder and president, you've been an ambassador at SDR Tribes, a member at Pavilion, um, and recently in the last 10 months, you've been an Amir SDR and now a senior SDR at Chili Piper. So Amina, again, with a lot of years of experience in different roles and different facets in life, could you please walk our guests, our listeners, through your journey of like what happened through all those times and how did you get to where you are today? Yes, I will try to be the most like linear. I don't know if we can do it um, in order to keep this relationship between one experience and the other. Yeah. So the very first thing to know is um, I'm living in France right now, but I have been, I've, I'm born, I was born and raised in Algeria, which is a Mediterranean, a North African country. Mm-hmm. And I left at 24 years old when I married with my French husband. So I relocated. I left everything behind me mm-hmm. and started from zero. Coming to France in 2006 with my engineer uh, degree, Everybody said, there is no way you can work on computer science field. You will be doing uh, housekeeper, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, there is no way you can work here with this degree. It's not recognized. It's not the same. You need to uh, like to work on something different, Mm. Uh, be a cashier on, uh, on, uh, on store, something like this. And that was my very first experience coming to France. So I have always been told no. Mm. Each time I wanted to do something, it's not possible for you. Because you're not from here, because you're not in a good shape, because you have not made the good schools, because everything. And mm. uh, the first job I got when I arrived here was an IT deputy manager. Okay. I was like the number two on the, it was a small team for the IT team, but still I was happy with that job. And it was my, like the first time I worked within a French company with French people, learned about the culture, mm. about everything around how to work in, how to work in France, how to discuss with French uh, people, etc. So this was for me the first win. Even mm. if the salary was like uh, someone who just went from school and I had, I had like three or four years of experience, but it yeah. doesn't matter. So this is the beginning. Mm. And then I started, when I felt comfortable, I started to look for another job, like something bigger, something where is where I can learn more, especially when I can be in touch with international um, like people from everywhere. Yeah. So I applied for that job on the CGG, which is kind of oil and gas in the oil and gas industry. And yeah. it was a French American company. Um, started there as a database administrator. Like 
I'm an IT, but really IT like nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so you love your tech, you love your hardware, you like exactly. your software. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was amazing. I went like everywhere in the world within that company. It was really something I never, I will never forget. The experience was like awesome. I, I met with people from Norway, from UK, from United States. I went to San Francisco, to Brazil. Like it was really something amazing for me in terms of professional and personal growth. Um, in terms also of um, like roles. So there I was from the DBA administrator to the project manager, etc., mm-hmm. until the business relationship manager, and that business relationship manager role was because of a reason like i was the more the most salesy ah. tech girl so, ah. like in the meetings <laughs> i was pushed like when it become like it becomes difficult to convince it becomes difficult to present something new having people coming to a new idea like my boss was pushing me go mm. You will see, like, so I was going, I was somehow, I'm not afraid from people because I'm always out of my comfort zone. Mm. I'm out of my country. I left my family. I, I'm not afraid of anything. I mm. just go. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, 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 just, <laughs> and just to pause you there, because there's a lot of, like, golden bits of nuggets and wisdom, like... You know, from coming from Algeria, coming to a new country, being told no, and that you should go into these, you know, roles that wouldn't serve you or make you happy, but people gave their expectations of where you're going to be because of your background and where you've been. And then coming to this new company, first time learning the French culture, how people work and becoming an IT deputy director, and then moving on to another business where you've worked your way up leveling. Um, and then you were kind of like the tech negotiator where your boss was pushing you to convince people to have these sort of conversations. For you, that must have felt very, you know, validating as to, you know, you're working your way through this. But obviously there must have been some sort of fears or, you know, conflicts in your mind of, you know, others' expectations and yours. Like, what was going through your mind through those transitions and how did you deal with those naysayers, Amina? Yeah, this this is actually... You know, something never happened alone. <laughs> there is always, like, we have a life where everything is running in parallel. Mm. So in parallel of all this was me having my kids. So having kids, uh, being a woman, mm. like, the first thing is being a woman. The second is being from elsewhere, not from France. Right. The third thing is not having the degree from the French big like we name them the grandes écoles like there is few um universities or engineers school that are really well known mm. that like launches careers of people and i was not uh, i have not done like my studies there yeah and having my family so my first my second mm. my third i have four kids mm. so for the french environment it's a little bit too much because, for example, each time I went for maternity leave, people expected for me to stay on maternity leave more 
take mm. one year or coming back and take half time. Yeah. So I can raise my kids. But each time I just made the, the normal maternity leave and came back mm. because I loved my job. So within that, you have what people expect from you. So, for example, family expecting from you to stay home. Mm. Your um, boss expecting from you to deliver. Your colleagues expecting from you to like, like come back like this big mama <laughs> speaking about only kids and, uh, and, yeah. uh, and birthday cakes. And I was not willing to be uh, like seen like this mama. I am first a woman who loves her job. And I wanted, mm. to, I wanted everybody to know that I'm not just a mama. I'm not just mm. a mother. I'm not just like, I first I'm okay doing that job. I'm okay working hard, like everybody, sometimes yeah. more. Yeah. In order to prove that. Um, like my kids are not taking all my time. Mm. Like it was true, but I was like putting an extra time to be just like to have just. So what the, your question was about how I was feeling that, yeah. but the feelings are mixed because everything is running in parallel. Mm. So as an engineer, in the beginning, it was very hard to be told like sales people. Because engineers, mm. especially in France, hate to be like called like sales. Because yeah. sales are selling. They are not creating. Mm. They don't like they don't create the value. They sell a value someone else created. So this is mm. the way uh, we are seen in most of like traditional um, situations. So f for the beginning I was Somehow feeling like I'm an engineer and you're pushing me to do like the sales. You are telling like I am the sales. So it mm. was for a long time a struggle. Yeah. Until the time I was pissed off what I was doing as an engineer. Mm. I, I was not like what I was doing because when you are working on computer science, your career path is one of these two. One, you can become a manager mm -hmm. and then uh, go on the management path. And the second one is to become a specialist and dig in your domain and stay, that, stay there. Yeah. I was always looking at the bigger picture. So specializing in something and staying there is not an option for me. Mm. But the other side, going on the management path, like it was the default if you don't want to specialize. Mm. And I went on that path. And I, I started running meetings and meetings and spending all my life on meetings, speaking of the other meeting I just ran. And it did not work for me. Mm. I love that. Thank you for, if, if anything, like you said, engineer by heart, you're engineering your life. And like you said, your kids, what you do at work, other people's expectations, these are only elements of your life. That's not just defining you as you're an individual person, right? There's much more to it than that. Um, 
and having that burning desire to want more and, you know, realizing if something's not bringing you happiness, then you're going to be looking for the next thing. But you don't want to be pigeonholed into a specific category. You have much more to offer from that as well. And, you know, becoming that uh, tech negotiator, I think, was like the beginning of that and realizing it and helping optimize things as an engineer does. Um, so from C, uh, CGG, uh, becoming that negotiator, what happened thereafter, Amina? So as it was a company within the oil and gas industry, it was a victim of the oil and gas fluctuations. Yeah. And we had a lot of crises around the years. And they, they, like, they have been a lot of layoffs. So started to uh, be like manager, managing projects, etc. I had like three or maybe three times layoff. And each time projects never go at the end. Mm. So the layoffs like happen in the middle of that project and I lose my team or my project. And the last one was really difficult for me because I left, I like, I, I, everybody was gone. Like, especially mm. one of my colleagues, which is a UK, a British one, a really an amazing one, um, hardworking one. Like, he was laid off after 27 years in wow. the company. I was Jeez. shocked. Like, he, he was... He was completely destroyed mm. and I can't like live with this. Yeah. So it was the last thing I've made there and decided to go and to change everything. Yeah. And then as I was starting to make sales, you know, demystifying concepts, uh, explaining simply something which is really complex in behind. So yeah. this kind of selling but I felt I'm not really selling. I need to learn how to sell. Mm -hmm. I decided to wear, to go on um, sales class, yeah, like a boot camp in yeah. Paris, for three reasons. The first one is that I'm someone who is really like straightforward. Yeah, I need to learn sales. I will go to somewhere where I can learn sales in a really <laughs> small period of time. Yeah. I need to learn the basics. The second reason is that this sales bootcamp was like literally um, like one year old mm -hmm. and it was starting to boom and it was connected with all startup world in uh, France. Wow. So for me, coming from the large industry, putting, uh, and I'm, wearing a scarf. So mm. working as a sales, like people said, no, you are crazy yeah. because this is a representation role and you can't go in front of clients with your scarf. It's not possible. Mm. It, we have a really big problem with Muslims in France. Mm. So choosing a profession where I will be judged so which company will choose me? Like I was tr struggling with this kind of thoughts when I discovered that school and startups don't care about what you look like. Startups care about what you can do. 
So if I get this right, because from somebody from an Islamic background, such as myself, if I get it, because I understand there has been a, you know, a problem with the Islamic faith within France. But if I get it right, because of wearing a hijab, people perceive it as that as causing a problem or, you know, worried about you being in front of clients wearing a hijab. Is, is that correct? Wearing, yeah, wearing hijab is like reducing your chances to take a job by, I don't know, 80%. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so this is in the normal jobs. So mm. wearing hijab within a sales job within a traditional company is no-go. This really? is impossible to do. That I didn't know. So, yeah, so, so everything like comes in everything come in parallel yeah um i i wanted to go somewhere where i can make an impact on mm. on the on the company so the company will not lay off people yeah i wanted to have the direct impact on the incomes and sales was my path mm. but i needed to go somewhere where i can practice with young people are not like the traditional old ones. Yeah. They are not they don't care about what you look like. So this is the second reason. And the third reason is that I was looking for having a completely new like um new way of doing things. Mm. And I I was not sure if this is the good thing for me or not. And that company, that school was exactly at the same state as me. Um. And they, are, they were figuring out that stuff. And they were looking for people who are willing to fight. So I'm oh. a fighter. Yeah. I will join people like me. Yes. So it was like these this reasons. Yeah. Um, so that's why I joined that, camp, that uh, sales boot camp and uh, graduated in like well if we can say it, four months yeah. later. Nice. Wow. So, like, again, coming through the stereotypes that were going on, like, in corporate life is the best way I can put it, you know, the traditional sort of companies. And then you wanted to get onboarded and learn the craft of sales or sales code uh, in a short period of time. And you come across this young startup with a booming curriculum that was really starting to, you know, pave the way for learning how to do sales. And you have those three reasons as to why you're joining on it, but their values married up as to exactly where you were at that point in your life. And then four months exactly. later, you graduate from it. Is, is that correct? Exactly. Their, their logo, their, you know how we say, they, their sentence, they go to sentence was, uh, peu importe ton passé, c'est ton uh, intention qui compte. We don't care about your past. Mm. We just care about what you are willing to do. Yeah. So it was really in my completely inspiring. With yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And yet you're right, you know, like where you said that you wanted to work with young people that don't care about your past. It's about what are we going to build in the future? How are we going to do this together? That's, that's something definitely anybody would want to stand behind as well. Um, so like after, you know, graduating from, from this course, what was the next step for Amina? So while I was there, I learned the jargon. I, le I learned how to do sales. What's SDR job? Mm. Like before, before going there, sales was sales. Like sales mm. rep is a sales rep. 
like I, I thought all sales are the same. Mm-hmm. So I started learning what's inbound, what's outbound, what's a CRM, all this kind of stuff. This is something really um, easy when we are in sales world. But yeah. when we are not in sales world, what will happen? You will join a company. They will teach you everything. It will take longer. Mm. So this should <laughs> help me like get ready. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, uh, one of the, because we are we were teached by um, uh, startups, head yeah. head of sales, and um, SDR managers, etc. For um, uh, French startups, startups. Mm-hmm. So one of that one of those startups was Cara, and it was an amazing CEO named Lara which was very, very inspiring. She was creating a tool for salespeople uh, uh, and she was sales. So sales who create something for sales, mm. just like it was total love and I, want, I <laughs> wanted to join at any yeah. price. <laughs> so I went there and I hunted them until I got the job. Wow. That, that's amazing. And like, for context as well for listeners and watchers, I remember a good decade ago when I was an SDR for a company called Zora, and we went in for the UK and Ireland, but our secondary market was France. Mm-hmm. And that was tough for me, <laughs> right? It was very tough because we were coming to the, the, the French market with an idea of a bonnement, so like subscription SaaS-based products. And a lot of the decision makers that I spoke to were senior stakeholders in corporate companies like GDF Suez, uh, Schneider Electric, etc. And they couldn't get their head around the whole idea of buying our platform on a subscription. And one Frenchman kind of told me, he said, Neil, unless you have a presence in France or Paris, nobody's going to do business with you. And this whole subscription economy thing you're talking about, nobody's going to buy it. It's probably going to take us quite a few years to get there. Because unless you're a Frenchman or a French person, we're not going to do business with you. And he was right, because we struggled in that territory because of the mindset and trying to do business with these stakeholders. However, the beautiful thing that we noticed was there was a lot of young entrepreneurial French people that were building their own SaaS companies and startups. And these were the people that we had to, like there was one company called CloudBees. Mm-hmm. Um, they provided a SaaS platform. Um, I can't remember the CEO's name, but he was one of our customers. Um, But he was like saying to us to come and join the events that he's running and to be networking around because you really have to convince these people of doing something in a different way. But it takes a group of people domiciled in the local area to get that message out there. And what we had to realize as a business at Zora, we had to hire a French SDR. We had to have a VP of sales based in France in Paris. And we had to have a local office presence to have it in there as well. And then once we had that, then things started picking up. We closed the GDF Suez, we closed the Schneider Electric, um, and we had we had Cloudbees, we had all the other French companies, but it took a very long time. But for an outsider who'd never done business in France, I just didn't understand it. I was like, well, look, the rest of the world are doing it. Why can't you do it? Mm. And they wanted to do it their way. So I can kind of relate in terms of the mindset. It can be very rigid, and it takes a lot of convincing, right? Yeah. But like you said, you met this this lady CEO who was like this visionary that was inspiring you. She was building a sales tool for salespeople. You hunted them down and then you got in with them. And what was that experience like working in that sort of first tech startup company for you, Amina? The, the experience is like, it was 
like the school, short and very dense. Um, I was like, it was the double dream. The first one was the French young startup. Mm. The second one was joining, joining uh, Station F. Station F is the biggest incubator in Europe. Oh, okay. And like all the hype, all like everything is around, uh, everything around startups is in Station F. And for me, at 40, going back to school and going to a French uh, new startup, young startup, um, and going to Station F was for me like a dream. Mm. I, I, like one year ago, I was never, like if you told me you would join a startup and in Station F, like, I would not believe you. <laughs> so I was doing sales in fresh new startup mm. with amazing people and in Station F. So it was like a bunch of uh, good uh, stuff for me. And yeah. I was all in. So it was a young company. We needed to do everything. Uh, it was still building. So the product was a little bit... Uh, Changing, buggy, and <laughs> it was just amazing. Oh, I love it. And, you know, like, again, I'm the sort of person that, and I've said this on the show before, where I don't care what people think about me, but I do care about the people that I care about what they think about me. And for this person, such as yourself, where you had these naysayers at the beginning of your career saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, you know, you need to be getting into sales, but then your engineering mind is thinking like, mm, I don't know about sales. And then you're educated into this new world of sales and you get into this level of like working in a cool startup. What do you think those people that said no to you before was thinking? And what did Amina say to herself that you got to that level? What, how are you feeling? Yeah, it's uh, kind of, you know, <laughs> it's funny, but my best movie ever is Rocky. Okay, Rocky Balboa, and, the boxer, yeah? Yeah, and have you seen the face of Rocky at the end of the, the movie? When he runs up the steps and he's just, like, putting his hands up? And no, at the end it. of, at the end of, like, when he, he fights. Like, he is all destroyed. Yeah. So, for me, life is like this. Mm. You need to take... The punch the punch yeah. you need to receive them and it makes you stronger and you feel the victory like better so oh yeah i took them i'm still taking a lot of them yeah but <laughs> a lot of those people who were like looking for me to fail are now mm. my best friends especially like family yeah. like, like like my uh, husband's family was not like really supportive at the beginning, mm. but now like they they are. I can't say worry, but like they're afraid of me. If I say something, <laughs> they know it will happen. I don't the know if the gloves are going to come out. Yeah, they. It, I never thought like in the family. I never raised my voice. Like I always like I've done my own job and never care about uh, like arguing or never 
mm-hmm. just continue on my path. But the thing is, when people want you to fail, it's just to prove to their like to themselves that they are right and mm-hmm. you can't do that stuff. But once they see it one time, two times, three times, the the good side of this is that they can believe in themselves because it changed their like paradigm, they changed their way of thinking. Yeah. Because if I did it, like I'm nothing. I'm someone coming from another country. French is even not my first language. Mm. I'm I'm like someone who is coming from far away. If I can do it, working, having a family, doing all of this, they are living here. They are born and they are raised. They can't say, they can't complain. So Mm. all those people saying, hey, we don't have chance. We can't find a job, blah, 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 blah. They see it with their eyes. If you are strong enough, you wake up early and go for it, you will take it. You will have it anyway. Nobody can resist someone who is hardworking. Nobody. I, I, I'm very, very glad that you've brought this up. And I'm extremely proud for you, like what you've accomplished and what you've <laughs> achieved. And you should be very proud of it as well. The reason being, like for our listeners and watchers, like some of us may be listening to this when we're going through a hard time. Or, you know, we may have hit a certain plateau within our life and our career. The realist thing that we have to accept is life is not really a case of easy or hard. It's just life and it can, it's totally unpredictable and life will throw you so many punches. And whereas before I used to ask myself the question, why is this happening to me? You know, when things have gone wrong in family and work and all of that. And I've realized that's the wrong question to ask yourself because the question of why will make you go mad because you will never find the answer to that. The question you want to ask yourself is, what are you going to do about it, right? This challenge has come along. The reason the challenge has come is to teach you something. Like they say, you go to school to take a lesson to then take a test. But in life, you're given a test where you learn the lesson. And if you don't learn the lesson, the test will keep repeating upon you. And uh, I used to say this at a young age, is that when the world punches you in the face, you stand back up and you punch 10 times back harder right? Not being in a violent sort of way, but you really put that grit in and you kind of lock it in as well. And equally, you know, with people that don't believe in you or, you know, I've had this as well with family members. Like when I launched my company, my parents were so against it. My friends were like, Neil, what the hell are you doing, man? You've got a steady job. You've got a pension. You've got a good income. You've got a new child. What the hell are you thinking? And I used to take this very personally, Amina, but I've come to learn reading like entrepreneurial blogs and people that have gone on a sort of life of doing what they want to do. Your parents and friends and family will not support you, not because they don't love you. It's the very opposite. They have a fear that you will fail and that you will be miserable and they don't want to see you hurt. So they discourage you from it because the other side of it is they cannot see themselves doing it. They can't see themselves having a family of four kids going off into this world of sales, doing that because they can't fathom how that would work out. And, you know, my dad, when I launched Happy Selling, is just like, mm, I tried to do it nearly, it didn't work. Your sister tried to do it, it didn't work. What are you going to do that's different? And in my head, I was like, everything you guys did do, I will do the opposite of. 
you know, five years later, it took a while for my dad to turn around and say, actually, I'm not worried about you now. It's all worked out. And a lot of my friends would be like, wow, like you're living this life of happy selling. You're doing a podcast. It must be so much fun. I said, it's fun, but it was freaking hard and it was scary, but I'm very proud that we've done it. Um, so like I said, my hat's off to you, like going through those challenges and like being the best version of yourself and ultimately doing what you want to do. And, you know, it's nice to get the pat on the back from the family to say, okay, you did it well done, but you know, you've done it for you, not to prove it to them, but to prove it to yourself that you can do it. So yeah, just a big round of applause for you. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And you know, you somehow become the pillar because like you feel you can't complain because mm. everybody is waiting for you to complain to say, have you seen? I was right. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be miserable. Mm. So have you seen? And then, so you can't complain. So mm. what happens is that every time something happened to you, you will like find a way to figure out that thing without, yeah. without, being like you you never complain even to yourself so you forget about it Mm. many many times i when i remember something happened to me like it's it happened like it took it took 10 minutes and then i but it was hard but 10 minutes Mm. and then you know and you feel like you become like the pillar and Mm. people are counting on you Because you are strong. Mm. Like this is good and not good. But for me, I take the good part of this. Um, You just need to find a way to take this pressure off. Because people will start to uh, think that you are invincible. That mm. you are so strong and they throw everything on you and then yeah. like you can you can just handle this. So, you, yeah. so for your mental health, you need to find somewhere, something, someone uh, where you can put this off, take rest, and then start mm. again. Yeah, you're right, and you're very right. Like when we're put into a state of adversity. Like when we have a real big life challenge, this is where growth happens. And to your point, like initially we may think like this, in my head, there's two kinds of people, right? The first one, a challenge will come, they'll see it as a big problem and they'll just see that's the end of life. They just can't do anything about it. They're stuck and they will complain about it, which is normal, right? The other side, which I try to stay on is you have a problem, you moan about it as anybody normally does. And then you think, what the hell am I going to do about it? And when you're at your last, you know, last penny or the last bit of like knowledge that you have, you come up with an idea through that madness. So there may be a time like listeners and watchers where you're struggling to pay your rent or you've had a fight with a family member or, you know, somebody has insulted you in the workplace and something's blown up and you get into a state of fear and you're like, okay, what the hell am I going to do? It's fight or fly. All right. That's what happens. But when you look back on it, like you said, Amina, for those 10 minutes, you worry about it, you think about it, and then you come up with a plan. And that's being resourceful, all right? And that's where you want to get. So sometimes being thrown into this shit things that happen in life is a good thing because then it helps you grow. It helps you figure out strategically how do you get out of it. And, you know, you then grow as a person. And you're very right as well that (laughs) you have to be careful because 
uh, I think one thing that I attract with my friends is not so much negative people, but people come to me with their problems a lot of the time. And they seek my advice or, you know, seek like just wanting to have a chat with me because they want to vent. Because Neil, you've been through so much shit in your life and you've seemed to like bounce back and be fine. Uh, and I, I'll give you a real life example. So yesterday I was on the phone to a friend. I phoned five people and I noticed in all of them that there was an element of depression with, within my friends and social circle. Somebody wasn't happy within a relationship. Somebody was worried about something at work. Somebody was mourning the loss of a recent friend and all of these things. And I was worried about my stuff, about my company and like doing my podcast and stuff. A lot of stuff was stressing me the hell out. And when I came to the end of the day, I said to my best friend and Ashley, if you're listening to this, I said, bruv, it's really weird because like five people that I've spoken today are all in this funk and everything. But I said, I have to be really careful because if I try to help all these people and be the Superman, it could really bring me down. So I need to kind of sidestep for a minute and just take a break for a couple of days. So this week I've booked three days off, not for work, not for holiday, but just to have a mental break to kind of recoup and get myself back up charged because you have to be very like ultimately within mental health, you have to look after yourself first. Right. Yeah. So sorry if I've gone off on a rant, but I think you've no, got a very, you're, you're a very right. good topic. <laughs> you're absolutely right. So this is like, this is the good and the bad, the bad side. Everything mm. has a good and a bad side. And we just need to, um, to know, um, the, there's another thing that helps a lot is the ability to take decisions fast. Mm. We don't care if it's not a good decision. We don't care. Just keep moving. The thing is that while you're thinking, choosing that decision you will never have all the elements, all the information to have the perfect decision. Mm. So each time, like yesterday, we were at the store with my husband mm. and he chose a pair of shoes and, and said, well, it's not really good, but it's not, it's good. But, and he was starting to, I said, this is 30 um, euros uh, shoes. So, like the time you're spending choosing that, take them and that's all. Mm. So each time balance the time and the energy you're doing in choosing, in choosing the direction, in taking that decision, mm. it will take so much energy than choosing the, the wrong one. What happens if you choose the... the and, and most of the time, it's topics like this. When I will mm. go for vacation... Uh, I will uh, how I will decorate my ha my home, which school I will send my 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 uh, my kids. Like this, nothing is worth to spend a whole day uh, thinking about this. And mm. we stay months <laughs> thinking about things like really stupid things. Yeah. So the ability to take decisions fast is good for our mental health. Mm. It's free room in our, like, energy. And our energy is our asset. Like, yeah. everybody's speaking about time. Yes, time is good. But, but energy is our asset because sometimes we spend too much energy in, in something which is not important. 
it will take all our energy and identifying things that takes like take your energy down is the first priority you need to uh, figure this out because if your friends let's say your parents i don't know if uh, something is taking too much energy it will be less energy for the rest it will be less energy with for things that you care about mm. and you will be unhappy you're right you're you're making me actually reflect on a lot of choices and decisions i have to make this week or that i've been <laughs> spending too much time on uh and you're right like with with energy it's this thing that shouldn't be contained or constricted too far and living in a state of fear because something could go wrong is a reason why we won't take the leap and make a choice or a decision and that will slow us down. You know, uh, thinking about it, like launching my company, it took a couple of months before I took that leap, but it, then something big happened in my life where I was like, right, I just need to go. I'd like, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's just see what happens. Yeah. And with like choices that I've made in life and personal and stuff like that it's been like instant stuff and a lot of people say to me like Neil you've done a lot of stuff you've been a lot of places you've met a lot of things and done a lot of stuff how have you done it I'm just I just do hmm. you know if you spend too much time on it it's never going to happen you're going to procrastinate and your energy is something that you just want it to it's uh you want it it's perpetual energy it just keeps running and it keeps going and you don't want to slow that down so I yeah. think for a lot of SDRs that are listening to this like if you're thinking about sending that email, if you're thinking about doing that cold call, if you're thinking of asking for that promotion, exactly. if you're thinking and asking for that coaching, just do it. Because the worst case is somebody say, may say no, but then there will be somebody else that is worth your time and your energy that you're trying to give to them. Right. Would you agree, Mina? Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the SDR, like you are chasing a nice account. You yeah. know that this one is really great and you want them to book that demo. And you're afraid of over-following up or cold calling. Oh, maybe he prefers emails or going directly to the VP or just go. What's mm. the risk? They will say no. If he says no on the phone, he probably will say no on the email. Yeah. If he says like no on LinkedIn, like just do it and go to the next step. Agreed. And you know what, like I had a real life example of this this week. So I'm dealing with what I could only call one of my first enterprise deals with Happy Selling because I normally work within a mid-market sort of space SMB, young startups. And I've got a really big corporate company that I know. And Mina, like um, the guy messaged me on LinkedIn said, yeah, we'd love to learn more about what you want to do. And I was spending the whole night preparing the presentation, doing the slide deck, adding all these numbers. And it got to like midnight and I was like, why am I doing this just for this one company? Just show them what you normally show them. We got into that meeting and then they wanted to meet in London face to face. And I was like, right, so I need to build the account. I need to think about this person. I need to have this slide. Maybe they're not going to understand. And I was doing it again. And I was oh, just like, no, just go to the meeting. Just say what you do, who you are and see what happens. And I went into that, letting go of the outcome and thinking, do you know what? If they want it, great. If they don't, no problem. I can still go elsewhere. But now they're calling back and now they want to get really serious about it. I'm like, okay, because I didn't waste all that. Well, I did waste time, but I caught myself wasting the time. I just went for it. Yeah. Um, and I need to make a big decision on something after this uh, recording today. So thank you for giving me the inspiration. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. Um, but I think, you know, like coming to the end of our show today, this has been a great chat and we could have gone off on a philosophical 
tangent and we can definitely talk so i'd love to get you back on as a future guest if that's okay with you and i hope that our followers uh, agree with that on as well um but you know fundamentally the one thing that i've realized through your career and your spanning is where you said at the beginning of the show about choice you know and how you define choice and the way things are going how would you summarize the whole thing about choice and the way that you're moving with your career choice is something um Everybody wants to uh, like uh, put you on, like put you in the the way. Like you need to make choices. You need to uh, choose. Like there is a, something in French say saying, uh, "Choisir c'est renoncer." So choosing something is putting off something else. Mm. And I hate this one because I don't want to put anything off. I want to be a woman. I want to be this girlfriend to my husband. I want mm. to be his wife as well. And I want to be a mom. I want to be this sales girl. And I want to be everything. And I don't care. So what happens the most is that it, look at our choices in general. I can't open up a new book if I, I haven't finished this one. Yeah. Uh, let's finish my meal and then, like, take the dessert. Like, mm. all this kind of small stuff is choosing. Mm. And around us, we are teached to uh, make things one at a time. Mm. But we can, if you look on my LinkedIn profile, I'm at the same time in many things. That yeah. does not mean that there is 20% of Amina there and 10% there. And I'm 100% everywhere, but not yeah. at the same time. Yeah. So choosing is something you need to uh, be comfortable with because it's, again, a matter of energy. Your energy will go on things you chose them. Mm. So if you uh, want three, four things and you just decide to go with one of them and push everything through them to like, don't need, you don't look to the three others. You will have part of your energy thinking about that and you will lose this part of energy. Mm. But once you said like, I'm a computer engineer. Okay. Mm. I have made like before coming to sales, I have made a big assessment, like a big uh, certificate named PMP, Project mm -hmm. Management uh, Professional. Like it took me four months of study, four full months of study to take this exam. But I knew I will leave project management. I'm going to take the sales class. Yeah. But in my head, I've spent 15 years in IT. I wanted to give them a name and the status, and that gave me the energy to study four months mm. and give this hard work to put that degree and diploma and mm. put it in. I don't know if I will use it a day, one day. I don't yeah. know. But like people started to, like you're gonna, you just uh, went on, um, you enrolled on a sales class and you are taking it, an exam on project management, this is not logical. Mm. But who 
on earth is logical. We are full of contradictions. <laughs> Everybody, like, like we love, yeah, we, love, we love animals, but we eat burgers. Yeah. We eat them. Yeah. We, no, we are full of contradictions. We love environment. We are taking the plane. We can't just be aligned forever for everything. Mm. So just accept it and go on your flow. And this kind of energy is like what I love to do. And that's why I refuse when people are asking me to take, to have a choice. So I, I feel comfortable. Mm. I'm all in everywhere. Mm. And if I'm still here, that's because I want to be here. I, I'm all in. No need to motivate me. I'm my motivation. <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent. I absolutely <laughs> love that, Amina. And you're right because there is logic, or you know, what may be logical for one person may be illogical for another because it's based on the ideals of what society put into us and say we have to follow this path. But I used to say, um, you know, if the if the door of opportunity is locked smash the door in, you know, create your own opportunities, go do your own thing and trying out different stuff, you know, like doing the PMP and then going into sales. Like you said, you may never know when you're going to use it, but you may use elements of it within your current role or you may use it in different facets. And it's always good to drop back onto, like fall back onto something if something doesn't work out. So, you know, like with me doing happy selling as an SDR coach and trainer, that's one thing. But then doing this podcast thing, this could be another avenue that I could take if that doesn't fully work out. I'm also a musician and a rapper. And, you know, I still create music and do stuff like that. And my friends and family are like, no, you're always doing, you're always busy. And I'm like, no, I'm not busy. I'm just doing things that I love doing. And what's wrong with me doing all these multiple things? Yeah, but you need to be more focused. For who? Exactly. You know, like for, for who? Like for, for this who? is for me. More focused for <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, Doing all these things, it makes me happy because the the other thing that I hold very close to myself, and this may sound morbid, and I have spoken about this on the show, is death is the closest thing that I hold to me because tomorrow could be my last day. And I would rather live a life of doing all the things that I love so that if I end, that I could turn around and say, you know what, lived a full life, had a lot of fun, met a lot of people, did some crazy things, but made some people happy. Mm. And that's ultimately kind of what we want to do. Um but again, I have to be very careful because we could really go on for hours about this. But Amina, <laughs> to kind of round things off, if you were to give three bits of advice to a younger Amina that's just come from Algeria, that's just moved to France, and you're talking to the past version of yourself, what three bits of advice would you give to her? Hmm. The first one would be for the young Amina who came here mm -hmm. um, at 24 I would say to her, don't worry and don't be um, unhappy while people like, like you feel that like nobody loves you mm. because you, you, will, you will figure it out. The second one might be for the mom. Mm -hmm. um, I would say... Don't worry again. Mm -hmm. um, your kids will go, like are happy when you are happy, not when they have the most healthy food on the planet mm -hmm. and you spend hours in the kitchen and they just want a burger or french fries. <laughs> like, this is not a problem having them 
having them eating something uh, not healthy once a week. Mm. Like, don't worry, just make things as you can and don't feel guilty. Mm. And the third one is for the the old Amina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, I'm a people uh, woman. I love people. Mm. And I love creating that first touch. That's why SDR role is my like favorite one. Um, and I would say, don't be um, like people are, are not like you. Like people don't maybe enjoy, enjoy um, meeting new people mm. uh, like I do, and they don't need to dig deeper with everyone they meet like I do. So don't feel this like a personal attack, but mm. rather accept it. Like it may, I made time. Accept that some people, people just will be, it will be enough to know them super, like on superficial uh, mode. And it's yeah. okay. You yeah. can't dig deeper. You can't know everyone. You can't be loved by everyone. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Like the, the the term that's coming up into my head, Amina, is so obviously you've had an entrepreneurial life is the best way that I can summarize it in a nutshell. But I kind of see you as Amina sales mama. Like I would come to you for sales advice. I would come to you for life advice. And you're somebody we definitely want to get back on this show in the future and just see how things are going at Chili Piper as well. But are there are there any shout outs you'd like to give or any kudos that you'd like to give to any friends, family, or members out there? Two people, actually three, all men. Um, the first one is my husband, because he is my other half mm. and just the extension of what I can do. I can do millions of things because he is here taking care about all what's roots and I am the extension. <laughs> I'm going everywhere and he is the yeah. ground. The second one is Elric because it's for him and for everything he does for me. That's mm. I wanted to join Chili Piper. And Lovely. yeah, this, this one um, helped me a lot and influenced me a lot, even if I didn't knew him through his mm. podcast, etc. And now he's my manager. Like this is... Love it. Yeah, so this is relationship that grew, like was growing slowly on the back end, and it just happened. Yeah. And the third person is my old boss. <laughs> Not old, my my old boss. Yes. Yeah. He helped me um, figuring out relationships with people, uh, accepting my differences. He. Um, he, he was a great leader and I learned a lot with him. I became really who I am with people because he opened the door and he accepted me as I am mm. and uh, he helped me sh showing up. I was feeling always accepted and uh, encouraged to be who I am, to be the real Amina I am. I was not like making a role play. Mm. So his name is Ricardo. So he's three persons. 
I love it. So to the husband, to the manager, and to Ricardo as well, shouts and salute to all of you gentlemen and happy <laughs> selling to you all as well. But listeners and watchers, I want to say a massive thank you for joining us on Amina's episode. As a reminder, you'll be able to find Amina's LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So if you want to connect with her and ask her any questions, feel free to do so and check out her extensive career. Again, check out her posts. They're super cool and I'm a big fan. Uh, And also a gentle reminder, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please like, comment, subscribe and share so we can get Amina's story out there. And if you're on our podcast platform, please give us a rating and you can leave us a voice note by visiting the show notes at the bottom. But Amina, thank you so much for being a guest on the SDR Call Show. It's been great to have you on board and I wish you a bon week or a great (laughs) week in España and happy selling. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to our show today. If you work in tech sales and have a career or story that you'd love to share, then please email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'll be in contact to book in a show. 